0: Today is June 8th, 2021, In our first story, a massive internet outage affecting basically every website from the UK government to CNN to Amazon Web Services struck this morning. They say it was a glitch, but we're also getting breaking news that Congress itself is the victim of a ransomware attack targeting a vendor which affected several dozen members of Congress. The cyber attacks are getting pretty serious. In our next story on MSNBC, a New York Times staffer denounces the American flag, saying it's disturbing to see so many people flying it and then makes some pretty delusional statements. But it's a scary story. Our schools are teaching two different versions of history. Our embassies are flying two different flags. I mean, this fracture in the culture war is escalating to the most extreme levels. And our last story, Joe Biden refers to women as birthing people as the Supreme Court refuses to challenge or to listen to a case challenging the all-male draft. The splits here to the highest levels. The federal government is fractured. The Supreme Court says all-male draft. Well, you know, let Congress decide. And then Joe Biden says women are birthing people. Yeah. Well, if you like this show, give us a good review. Leave us five stars. And if you really like the show, then share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. (laughs) For those of you who wake up early, you may have noticed the internet was not working. There was a massive internet outage across basically everything. Amazon Web Services, which hosts a ton of content and services, was down along with Reddit and several other sites, including CNN, because something called the Content Distribution Network was suffering from a glitch. So they say that's all we really know, and maybe that's the case. But uh, I got to say, I'm worried about what's going on in terms of international conflict and what this might really mean. Because we have other big breaking news, one that most people probably overlooked simply because, well, you, when your internet goes out, you kind of want to know what's going on with my internet, right? I can't get on Reddit and I want to look at picture, pictures of cats. Well, in the more serious breaking news, Capitol Hill vendor hit by ransomware attack. Here we go, baby. First, it was critical infrastructure, our oil pipeline pipelines, the largest oil pipeline in the country, hit by ransomware, gets shut down, causes panic and gas shortages. Then JBS meat supply. This is a quarter or around a quarter of our beef production, about a fifth of our pork production gets shut down. I got sent a photo the other day out of Ohio. Stores don't have beef. I got a photo sent from uh, out here. So we're in like the Maryland, West Virginia area chicken shortages. You go to local grocery store, they don't allow you to buy too much chicken. There's not enough, they say. These are serious attacks on our infrastructure from gas prices to the food we eat. Now, all of a sudden, our Internet's getting shut down. Okay, maybe it's just all a big coincidence that all of these cyber attacks keep happening. And now it's affecting our literal seat of government. Now, not the most egregious attack on, on, on our political infrastructure, But this is very important for many of our politicians. The Hill reports Capitol Hill vendor hit by ransomware attack report. A tech vendor used by dozens of house offices on Capitol Hill for constituent outreach services has reportedly been hit by a ransomware attack, becoming the latest victim in a series of cyber attacks. Punchbowl News reported Tuesday that almost 60 house offices from both parties have not been able to retrieve constituent information for the vendor constituent for several weeks for several weeks. How long has this been going on for? And we're just learning about this now. This kind of stuff. I mean, I I find it absolutely freaky that it's happening. It's getting worse. And there's more than just this story. Did you know that the MTA was hacked? Yeah, the Metro in New York City. Did you know that? Probably something that many people didn't notice. But we are. I I think we are. uh, I think we're in cyber war. I think it, most hackers and you know infosec people, information security, probably are laughing right now, saying, "Duh, no, no, duh, we're in cyber. War. We've been in cyber war for a decade." But what does that? What does that mean? And what does that lead to? Cyber cyber warfare is a low risk. It's easy to obfuscate, and they can blame hackers. It's kind of like high sea piracy back in the day. China and Russia can be like, "Oh, geez, oh no, these hackers have nothing to do with us. I can't believe they would do this." When in reality, it's state sanctioned, or they provide resources to these groups, or at least turn uh, the other way and let them do their thing. Let me, show you what's, let me show you what we got from the New York Times. This story is from June 2nd. It's, 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 it's a week ago. The MTA is breached by hackers as cyber attacks surge. Hackers with suspected ties to China penetrate the New York Transit Agency's computer systems in April. An MTA document shows. Transit officials say the intrusion did not pose a risk to riders. Yeah, but what did it pose a risk to? Our critical infrastructure. So let me, let me tell you what the point of these attacks are. First, actually, let me, let me read about the attack on the, on, the, on the Capitol. They say, the company is reportedly working with Spindor to resolve the issue. But Punchbowl noted the frustration is mounting as the incident has not yet been fixed. Catherine Spind- Spinder, chief administrative Office, officer of the House, said, There is no evidence that suggests wider house IT systems have been breached or compromised, according to Punchbowl. The office of the chief administrative officer was notified by iConstituent that their e-newsletter system was hit with a ransomware attack. iConstituent's e-newsletter system is an external service available for house offices to purchase. At this time, the CAO is not aware of any impact to house data, Spender said in a statement to the news outlet. The CIO is coordinating with the impacted offices supported by iConstituent and has taken measures to ensure the attack does not affect the House network and offices data. According to the website, they provide constitution engagement platform, blah, blah. You get the point. This is not them breaching the U.S. government specifically. It's not them going into like government servers. It is a company used by members of the House. But this is still serious. If hackers have the ability to obstruct members of Congress, they can choose winners and losers. We can actually have our elections manipulated, not through the vote process, not through fraud or anything like that, but simply because you've got two people who are running for an election, right? The primary happens, everybody runs, you end up with your Democrat, your Republican. All of a sudden, the services used by the Republican go down. The Republican can't reach out to people, can't effectively produce advertisements. and The Democrat has a massive advantage. That's it. They can hobble one candidate should they see fit. This is extremely serious. But these, th- these things, they keep happening. I'm surprised this wasn't bigger news, the MTA uh, breach. But it is local. I mean, how many people care about New York City, especially at a time when the city is, I don't know, kind of empty? Not literally empty. But this is what I've been talking about over the past uh, several months, actually. Actually, for the past year or so, I've been bringing this up. But we talked about it yesterday. How convenient. How convenient. That New York City, that we as the United States decentralized large portions of our economy due to the pandemic. People who lived in New York City, a lot of powerful individuals, leaders of industry live in New York City, conduct their operations from New York City. What would happen if the metro got hacked the way that many people get around? Believe it or not, even rich people, because you can take a taxi, but man, the taxis are slow. What would happen if a lot of people, let's not even say like the wealthiest, just senior level managers, the trains get hacked and it causes disruption. They can't get to their jobs. Our, econ- our economy gets hit. One of the most important things you need to understand about cyber warfare is that as we are racing to develop weapons and, and ordnance and things like that, you know, missiles and bullets, it requires a functioning economy. China, the US, everybody knows this internationally if we can sludge up your economy, we can make it harder for you to produce the weapons you need to actually engage in legit warfare. So this means that cyber war is more than just ransomware attacks. It means that when the internet goes down, it's not just I can't see pictures of cats. I mean, this is the big news coming out this morning. The internet is broken. Hundreds of websites worldwide, including CNN, New York Times, Amazon, and Reddit are down after outage at U.S. server company Fastly. Now, the company says it was a configuration error, perhaps. Seems kind of crazy that a dumb IT mistake could cause the entire internet to collapse. But sure, I guess sometimes stupider things have happened. Let me, let me, let me, let me put, I'll put it this way. Taxes. Taxes, take, the government takes taxes. They used to buy things. I know they can print money and borrow money. There's a bunch of other ways to raise funds. But a functioning economy is good for the government. The more people are trading, the more money is going to the government. So I have a dollar. I trade with you that dollar. You have dollar income. Now you got to pay 35 cents to the government. Now you got 65 cents. You then trade that 65 cents to someone else. Now they got to pay 35 cents. And the, the money keeps going down and more and more ends up in the pocket of the government. The more you trade, the better it is because the government gets more and more of that dollar. Now the internet goes down. Major corporations take a hit. All of a sudden, they're not producing revenue, no more ads being displayed, no more products being sold, and that slows the economy. Less money for the government, less production by the American people, less capability to engage in conflict. There's a reason why in war, some countries or some, some belligerents in, 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 in conflict will target citizens. I know that we look at it like, oh, you can't target citizens. Oh, that's crazy. that's, that's terroristic. The citizenry are the ones that provide the food and the resources to the military, So yeah, to a lot of, uh, depending on the country, they might say it is better to blow up the civilian population to cripple their ability to engage in warfare. Take a look what the US did in World War II with dropping bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, major civilian population centers. But it sent a strong message to Japan, and they immediately panicked and backed down. Well, we crippled their ability to produce things. We destroyed major economic centers for this country and made it very difficult for them to supply their own army. Now we don't need to blow up the city. They can just sludge up the internet. So again, very convenient for us. I mean, fortuitous. I'm not implying a conspiracy. I'm just saying, wow, how fortuitous? Fortuitous. That last year we moved, that people just naturally of their own volition decided I don't want to live in these big cities. I want to get away from them. I want to move to different areas. While (laughs) this one company getting hit is insane to me. Ultimately, the the decentralization of, of, of individuals means the companies are going to be more robust in the event of a cyber attack or a physical confrontation. We're not going to get sludged up as much as we normally would have. I mean, one, uh, one outage in New York could have affected every industry in the country. I'm going to tell you something crazy. Did you know that Grand Central Station has a, my understanding is there's a secret control room. That's like you got to go through like secret walls or something. And it's like the main control hub for a, lot of the train, for a lot of the trains. And it's hidden because during, I think it was World War II, I'm not entirely sure, there was fear, or maybe, maybe the Cold War, that someone could go in and shut down this control hub and destabilize the near entirety of the US economy because of New York getting shut down because it will affect the West Coast. If operations in New York can't continue, then other com- country uh, companies around the country would struggle. So they hid this control. It's really crazy. Now we're not as concerned about it because I think we realized the, the, the fault there.
1: When you start to realize— These other countries, China, Russia, Iran, whatever,
0: they know cyber warfare is a means of of destroying things to shutting down an economy. And uh, the scary thing is it's really easy. Now, I'm not here to get the conspiratorial, but uh, I I, I do want to stress really quickly. Conspiracy almost means nothing at this point because conspiracy used to imply like a group of people doing something surreptitiously or like against the law. Now it just means like hypothesis. Yeah, yeah, it means hypothesis. I mean, look, some people have really dumb ideas like the earth is flat. It's not. Um, but sure, they can believe stupid things. But just believing that there might be a war going on, I don't think is a conspiracy. I guess technically it is. A country is plotting to attack another country. I mean, come on, that happens all the time. But take a look at this. The conspiracy, I suppose, would be, is the media covering this up or just not doing their job? Are these companies covering, the, covering this up? Is the U.S., Covering this up, I think about there was like a, uh, a a refinery explosion in Philadelphia, right around the time that Donald Trump was sending war fighters to Iran. There was a bunch of planes on the way to uh, to Iran, and Trump wanted to. I think they, they may have been drones. Trump wanted to strike. It was like a hundred hundred Iranians would have been killed in this. Trump called off the strike, saying everybody come back. Coincidentally, around that same time, an oil refinery in Philadelphia exploded. Now. I'm not saying I have any proof to suggest. I'm just saying, hey, it's entirely plausible. It, it is absolutely within the realm of possibility that our critical infrastructure was attacked, that a cyber attack caused a, cyber attack caused a malfunction in a fire and oil refinery. And Trump called off the strike because he knew that cyber attack capabilities would seriously damage this country. And all of a sudden he was like, I am not going to strike Iran. Well, I praised him for say good. He said the, the loss of life would be too great. It wasn't worth the strike or could it be that Iran was threatening to blow up more oil refineries? About eight or so years ago, I was at uh, DEF CON and Black Hat. These are two major hacker conventions. Black Hat is more hokey, fun, you know, hackers lockpicking and playing games. And uh, DEF CON, wait, what did I say? Was I Black Hat. DEF CON is, is the silly one. Black Hat is the corporate one. Over at Black Hat, you have a bunch of hackers showing off their abilities, saying like, or or what what they've discovered, you know, weaknesses. One of the things we watched was a demonstration for blowing up a, a, a a a, a fluid pump control facility. This means it could be water, could be oil, could be any fluid system. And it was really simple. They said they just told two different valves to push the fluid in the same direction. That's it. Because the the fluid, in this instance, they were talking about oil. They said it needs to move in multiple directions; it can go back and forth, relieve pressure, or 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 flow forward. And so, what they did was they just told two different pumps to push it in the same direction, causing a pipe to explode. And they actually did a demonstration where they have this pipe has a it has a pressure release on it, so that once the pressure becomes great, it sprayed water across the room, and they caught the water in a pitcher. In real life, there would be no pressure release in which the water would spray out; it would be oil. It would probably burst the pipe, potentially causing a fire. I'm not saying I know for sure that's what happened, but we are we are getting a ton of cyber attacks. What these guys point out to me is that the systems being used today by much of our critical infrastructure is archaic. What 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 are they doing? Uh, uh, what's what's the software? Uh, I can't remember the name. Of it we we use this ridiculously ancient operating system for a lot of our critical infrastructure. So in the colonial, what is it called, the COBOL system, when the the colonial pipeline system got hacked, people were like, well, you're using this really old, you know, technology full of vulnerabilities. Maybe you should take it off. Maybe. I love it. The other day, uh, Donald Trump did an interview. He called Bitcoin a scam. He's wrong. But uh, a lot of people freak out about Bitcoin, and and especially with these ransomware stories coming up, they're really trying to drag Bitcoin. No, look, I'm not going to get too much into it. But the feds were able to recover a lot of that ransom from Bitcoin, which is surprising. I don't know how they did it, but hey, they were able to do it. Anyway, I digress. In this interview, Donald Trump was talking about taking computers off, getting off computers. He was asked like, oh, look at all these cyber attacks that are happening. What do you do? And Donald Trump was basically like, maybe we we don't use these computer systems. Maybe, you know, there's a time when we didn't use them and we shouldn't. And all of a sudden, I see all these leftists saying things like, uh, Trump's, Trump's advice for, for ending cyber wars to stop using computers. What an idiot. And they all start laughing and high fiving each other. And I'm like, but he's not wrong. He's literally not wrong. I mean, one of the first rules of cybersecurity is if it doesn't need to be on the Internet, don't put it on the Internet. That doesn't mean you can't be sub- subjected to a cyber attack. You have to wonder about why some of these systems have access to the international Internet. They should not. They don't need to. They can have computer systems, but even Donald Trump saying get off computers, he's still right. If it doesn't need to be to be automated through computers, don't do it. Convenience. That's really what it is. Let me explain. You know, it sure would be a whole lot easier to drive around in, say, Syria with a Lambo. Well, maybe not a Lambo. I mean, if you're driving through a city, you got a fast vehicle. It's nimble. It's agile. Hey, but uh, it's paper thin. They'll put some bullets through it if conflict erupts. So we send armored personnel carriers. Still really good. Not as fast, but resilient. Wouldn't it be easier to just give them the faster vehicle? No. Sometimes you don't even send in an APC. You send in like uh, what are they? like an Abrams tank. Yes, you want to be able to move firepower and people in a way that they're not going to get blown up, and that could mean things are harder. Things are harder. I don't think the Abrams can go nearly as fast as like a Lamborghini on a street, but it can go over rough, rough and uh, rugged terrain and it can pe- keep the people inside protected from certain uh, firepower. It's all about, I guess, convenience versus security. If I were to go out to a, a conflict zone, and I've been to many, I've, you know, for like nine or so years, I was traveling around the world on the ground at some of these, you know, very large and serious urban conflicts. And sometimes I would wear a bolt per vest and sometimes I wouldn't for a few reasons. Well, depending on where you are, wearing a bolt per vest makes you a target. So, you know, you got to be careful about that. And sometimes agility is more important. So I don't see that in this regard. Why, our, why, are our in, why, why is our critical infrastructure requiring this, this agility. It, it doesn't need it. We can have people manually drive there, pull the levers and make everything analog, but we don't do that. We've automated so much now outside, outside of critical infrastructure. I can point all that point all that out, but there is still a problem with our economic infrastructure. When you see that CNN, Spotify, PayPal, Reddit, all have gone down because of one critical point of failure. This is fastly. They say it was a configuration error. Heaven forbid somebody gets ransomware and fastly. Are you kidding me? Look what they can do with this stuff. That's not hard to make. Heaven forbid somebody make an encryption uh, uh, virus. You know, look, these ransomware attacks, you have an out. They say, hey, we're going to we're going to encrypt your device. You won't be able to use it unless you pay us five million dollars. That's what they said to Colonial. What happens when someone says, "I don't care about your money"? It's, it, what happens when it's an actual nation-state actor? What happens when they're like, "Nah, we just want to destroy your critical infrastructure," and they could? And why wouldn't they? What happens when one of these ransomware attacks turns out to not really be ransomware? Or what happens when one of these ransomware attacks happens? They pay the ransom, and the ran, and the and the uh, the ex- blackmailers, the extorters say, "Eh, thanks for the money. We ain't giving your your, your computers back." Maybe the ransomware is just plausible deniability. That's it. It maybe really is Russia or China. The MTA hack, they say it was China. They say hackers were suspected ties to China. What if the only reason they're asking for ransom is cover so that they can't be accused of being a political actor and they can cause economic damage? Think about it this way. That $5 million ransom, the FBI was able to recover just over half of it, I think 2.3 million. Really surprised they were able to do that. I don't know how they did that. I guess they may have been using mainstream accounts and transferring some of the coins or something. They said they were able to recover this. A lot of it. Okay. What if it's just a drain on our resources? It doesn't matter if they encrypt our systems anyway. What if China and Russia are like, strip away their money and we can use it for, I don't know, China's doing the Belt and Road Initiative. They can pump US dollars into their influence and control, siphoning it away from the US through a variety of means. Ransomware, espionage stealing IP, right? Corporate espionage. What happens when one day our hospitals get hit by a, by an encryption virus? What do you think is going to happen if real war breaks out? I'll tell you what's going to happen. There will be shots fired if this war goes hot between the US and China. It's not just going to be fighter jets shooting at each other and bombs in the Pacific. One day your internet will stop working. That's it. They'll they'll use encryption viruses and they will lock up everyone's computers instantly. They will try to to infiltrate major critical infrastructure. And I wouldn't be surprised if all critical infrastructure in the country was compromised by other nation states. Mutually assured destruction. It's not even about nuclear bombs at this point. We would go back to the Stone Age without a shot being fired. Because someone would just hit the enter button, then boom, all the computers get wiped out in one country. And then they try to do it. They put it this way. Hey, we got to take out critical infrastructure in China before they do it to us. So then everyone's sitting there ready to wipe out each other's computer networks. There's probably intranets. There's probably more secure systems. I'm sure the U.S. has, has, has thought of this, but I'm not confident in the U.S. these days. I mean, China is is homogenous. The Chinese Communist Party has full control for the most part. The U.S. is fractured between weird cult members who believe psychotic things about race and are not taking this country seriously. And maybe that's it. Maybe psychological warfare came first and we as a nation are on our knees. Wokeness is a serious threat to, this na- to national security. And it's too late. It's, it's in every facet of government. That's it. Wokeness will drop this country to its knees. Now, yeah, you think I'm joking? I'm not. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Speaking on MSNBC, New York Times editorial staff member Mara Gay said that she recently took a trip to Long Island where she was disturbed at all of the American flags flying in the pickup trucks. She said the message was clear. They were telling her it was their country, not hers. Kind of a paranoid delusion. I think people fly the American flag because we live in America. And the story may be stupid. It may be silly. A lot of people are highlighting just how stupid it was. And a lot of people tell me it's meaningless. It's just one person on TV. But this, to me, is indicative of a much larger problem. Right now, you have people who are absolutely at odds With this country, what it stands for, its symbols, what it represents. It's not just about the flag, but when you have the co-host on MSNBC agreeing with this woman at the mainstream highest level, there is a faction of people in this country that are disturbed by the literal flag of this nation. And it's worse than that. It's 1619 indoctrination in schools, the literal rewriting of history. It's street violence. It is children's shows, children's channels running anti-Trump commercials. On the other side, we have something different. The left gives us the desecration of the American flag. The right gives us the admiration and protection of that flag. Recently, in the past week, there was a veteran who had an American flag on his property burned by some extremists, probably a far leftist, somebody who is indoctrinated and hates America. And then we also have the more extreme faction, many Trump supporters and Trump himself saying that you should go to prison for disrespecting the flags. The hyperpolarization is real and it is now deep seated. I think this is more than just a story about some individual on TV. It is a grain of sand in the heap, showing us that our country is fractured between those who don't believe in its history, who despise the country, think it's evil, hate its symbols, hate what it stands for. And then there are those that revere this country, respect it and believe in it. And that is a big split defining what the culture war is. A lot of people, as as you often hear, I say the culture war is authoritarian versus libertarian or nationalist versus globalist. Yeah, well, it's also wokeness versus the anti-woke. And it's also those who like America, not even hardcore chauvinist nationalist people waving American flags, demanding, you know, some kind of American supremacy. I mean, it's literal. People who are like, yeah, America's all right. We've done a great job. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments, that's 877-646-5347. That faction opposed uh, to those who say the country is awful and evil and would seek to indoctrinate children with this ideology. Now, again, uh, maybe there's already a lot of people who are like, this is dumb. Who cares about this MSNB th- MSNBC thing? This is the New York Times, the great lady, the paper of record. What do you think's going to happen when 10 years from now, 20 years from now, There are children who are being indoctrinated with revisionist history. What happens when they start getting jobs at these organizations? What happens when they start running for office? What happens when 30 years from now, these people who are leaders of industry are telling you to your face, everybody knows the US was actually founded in 1619 as a slavocracy. What happens when we see the political violence escalate to a point where people are being beaten simply based on their race? And the argument for that was, yeah, well, it happened in the past and it should happen now. I was told this in no uncertain terms by a black woman at Occupy Wall Street when she looked at me and said, it's our turn now. No, that's horrifying. We want to end these things. But let me read through, uh, through some of these stories and explain to you. At the core, America is fractured and it's fractured beyond recognition with one faction revising history and disbelieving in American history, hating its symbols and advocating against it. And these people dominate a major political party. Maybe you think it's silly culture war nonsense, but when you have a president who just recently referred in a a budget proposal to women as birthing people, you can see the ideological split is at the highest level. So what happens? I mean, these worldviews don't just compromise. Well, let's get into it before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive members-only segments from the TimCast IRL podcast. But more importantly, you're supporting the work that I do here. You're supporting the expansion of this company. And we've got a newsroom launching soon. We've got some new journalistic prospects who are going to be joining. And the newsroom should be up maybe in like a week or two. That is what your membership gets you. Gets you access to these bonus segments. But more importantly, it funds the work I'm doing. If you think I'm doing a good job, please like this video. Share this video because I don't have access to massive marketing budgets and YouTube isn't propping me up the way that uh, they do for CNN. But again, Timcast.com, become a member. Take a look at this story from the National Review New York Times editorial board member disturbed by sight of American flags. Why? Why would anyone be disturbed by that? These are just American flags. But remember, back a few years ago, Nike announced they were going to be doing a shoe with the original flag of the 13, uh, 13 colonies. It was a circle of stars. I guess it was Colin Kaepernick and a bunch of activists that it was racist. The American flag itself declared racist and Nike had to apologize. If we as a country cannot even defend our own flag, then what country is there to defend? I think of that image. Uh, I, b- I believe it was Iwo Jima when they were raising the American flag. Yeah, now what? That's racist? Yep. No joke. National Review reports on Tuesday. New York Times editorial board member Mara Gay graced MSNBC's Morning Joe to recount a harrowing trip she took to Long Island this past, week, past weekend, in the middle of a broader conversation about the January 6th Capitol riot and the scourge of Trump voters more generally, who she who she says believe that their rights as citizens are under threat by simple virtue of having a shared democracy with others. And see Americanness as whiteness, gay launched into not so, into not so scary story time. Now, I, I will point out, share democracy. Okay, we got to be firm on this one. America is a constitutional democracy. We have uh, democratic institutions. No one is concerned about sharing democracy. We are concerned about amoral and dogmatic mob rule, however. I certainly am. It's existed before, and they're trying to bring it back. However, she continued, I was on Long Island this weekend and visiting a a really dear friend and I was really disturbed. I saw, you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with expletives against Joe Biden on the back of that, of that back of them, Trump flags, and in some cases, just dozens of American flags, which, you know, is also just disturbing because essentially the message was clear. It was, quote, this is my country. This is not your country. I own this, right, says Micah Brzezinski, chiming in after Gail's Uh, Gay's tale reached its climax. Now, when I first saw the segment, I thought people were exaggerating. Oh, she wasn't disturbed by the American flag. It was the Trump flags and the pickup trucks driving around. It's still a stupid thing to be disturbed by. Oh, no, people disagree with my opinions. And then she said the American flags, which, you know, is also just disturbing because the message was clear. It was my country, not yours, my country. Okay. Maybe what she's saying is that the combination of American flags with Trump supporters. But she's saying, I mean, it's the American flag itself. Now, now again, again, to be fair, maybe she's just saying when you have the American flags with these people, they're, they're making a statement. But when she comes out with this quote, this is my country, not your country. I own this. That is a paranoid, delusional view of the world. Now, let me explain. These people didn't say that to her. They didn't walk up to her and say, you see that flag? Here's what it means when I'm holding it. No, she gets her worldview from a corrupted and broken media. This is the derangement. We called it Trump derangement syndrome, but it's well beyond that. These people on MSNBC are pushing this stuff. It's well beyond just Trump. Now it's anybody who's going around who supported him and has the American flag. So what does that lead to? I'd like to point out, first and foremost, Margay is not, um, uh, she, she's been involved in controversies uh, before. Brian Williams and New York Times' Margay dragged for bad on-air math about Bloomberg campaign spending. The New York Times editorial board member says that she's buying a calculator BRB. Why? Well, she said, this is funny, that Michael Bloomberg spent $500 million on his campaign. And if you divided that among 327 million people— you could give each person a million dollars cuz apparently she doesn't understand that it would be like, you know, what is it like a dollar 70 or something or two bucks. No, not even two bucks. It's like a dollar 70. Yeah, really really bad math. Now a lot of people drag this individual, but you need to understand this is the New York Times, the gray lady, the paper of record. Times Square. It's supposed to be helping us stay informed. And we have a combination of sheer stupidity, sorry, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's true, and outright paranoid delusional perceptions of reality. The American flag. This is what they're saying. It's not true. I mean, it just made it up. Well, of course, when she got mocked for her bad math, she said it was racism. This is what we're this is what we're seeing. And I know, again, maybe it's just silly culture war stuff, but it gets crazier. These people on mainstream TV at the New York Times have a worldview based on fiction. It's akin, in my opinion, to the Q people who believe really, really crazy things that there's a secret war going on and Trump is the real president and all this other stuff. It's just, listen, whatever you want to say about the election, Biden won. I don't, I don't care. I mean, look, I've had Matt Brainerd on, on the IRL podcast. We've talked a lot about what's happening. We'll see if these investigations come out with anything. But certainly there's a man in the White House and his name is Joe Biden. But these people don't have institutional power. They're not in media. They're not in schools. They're not pushing this. They they tried. Trump tried the 1776 project. It got removed from the White House the moment Biden stepped in. And now I show you it is institutional at the highest levels from our media institutions to our embassies in the federal government. From Daily Mail. U.S. embassies in Greece, Spain, Cambodia, and Bosnia fly BLM flags after a leaked State Department memo encouraged promotion of the group on first anniversary of George Floyd's death. I I, I guess, you know, I just kind of feel like part of me says, this is dumb. Who cares, right? And that's why I keep bringing it up. It is important because I'm looking at it like, do all of these stories add up to something? Yeah, I noticed it this morning when I saw that story about the flag. I'm like, you've got veterans, the story who was like, who would like rush in and, and save the American flag or would find a flag on the ground and they would, they would lift it up and they would try and save it from desecration. You have these stories about the revolution where the American flag had fallen under a British bombardment, but the flag kept being lifted up. And then finally, when people came in to see how the flag kept being raised, kept getting lifted after being knocked over, it was propped back up. It was the dead bodies of the Continental Army, of the Americans, who refused to let that flag fall. And they would hold it up, and then they would get bombarded, and their bodies. That's the stories, uh, those those are the stories we grow up with. Now the stories we hear is that we should fly a flag of a communist ideology that quite literally uses the red salute, the communist salute, alongside, just beneath, the American flag, or in some instances, flying where the American flag does not, on top of these buildings. I find that horrifying. Black Lives Matter founders are overtly communist. Have we really lost our way that much that we do not have a unifying culture anymore? We don't. So now we have this. We have some people who stand up for the American flag and for the national anthem and believe in this this, this country. Some people who go further and think that we should have the Pledge of Allegiance in schools. I've never been a big fan of the Pledge of Allegiance, but I certainly do respect this country. Why? This This is the country that allows me to not say the Pledge of Allegiance. But I know, I know. MSNBC, New York Times, you say, Tim, what else do we have? I'll tell you what freaks me out. First, this is less so, but House Republicans co-sponsor bill to ban any but U.S. flag at American embassies. I agree. Why? Well, they're flying rainbow flags and other flags that they shouldn't be. The American flag symbolizes the country of that of this consulate, of this embassy, etc. We shouldn't be flying flags of ideology. If they made a flag for Catholicism, I'd say no to that as well or any other religion. We shouldn't be doing that. This is a country for all people. But think about what it means when the embassies fly the flag of a cult-like ideology of a dogma. We know half this country does not support Black Lives Matter. Why would embassies then fly this flag knowing half the people here don't like it? I'll tell you. It is because we are in the midst of a cold civil war. Maybe it's gone hot with January 6th. Maybe it's gone hot with all the Antifa and Black Lives Matter extremism and violence and rioting and murders. Maybe we're in a hot conflict. It's just not to the point where we have state against state, but maybe we will get there. And that worries me. At the same time, there's a very, there's a very real prospect of a conflict with China. Now, I know a lot of people who watch my content, probably not overt and hardcore leftists, and many might have a blind spot to what the left says and does. But I bring this up and maybe uh, there's oftentimes people don't, people don't understand it. The left says of the right, the, I, 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 the exact same thing the right says of the left. In an article from Medium, do Republicans want a civil war? The GOP is unraveling democracy and menacing American peace. Well, we heard what that lady from MSNBC said that, you know, uh, the Republicans are saying it's my country, it's our country. When the Republicans say of the left that the Democrats are destroying this country, and I firmly believe that is the objective reality here. Because you have one group that says, I agree with America and the American flag and America needs to make improvements. But hey, we like this, fa- this country. Then you have the left saying erase and change the history and don't fly its flag. The flag is racist. Yeah, which side actually likes this country and wants to preserve its institutions? It's not the left who's gone insane. But I'll show you how bad it really gets. I was reading this comic from The Nib. You may have heard of The Nib. It's, it's really, really unhinged stuff. I got to be completely honest. It is just ill-informed and ignorant, young leftist talking points. They seem not to know a whole lot about politics. And in one of their comics, it says, the return of the sensible liberal. There's a comment. It is the top uh, most liked comment from their, from their post. And someone just saying, a friendly reminder that the right wing wants us all to die. 29 likes. Well, that's not true. Republicans don't want leftists to die. As the saying goes, the right thinks that leftism uh, the, the left thinks the right is evil, but the right just thinks the left is misguided. And that tends to be I think true. When you actually get down to it and 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 look through all the news, it's clear that the left lives in this paranoid delusional state. Here's another example. West Virginia to give away guns as vaccine incentive, and you can see one doctor saying, thanks for coming in. I th- think of all the lives you're saving. And a guy in a red hat says, don't worry, I'll even it out as he's handed a lever action rifle. Who, who actually thinks that? That's insane. Take a look at the CBS reporting, however, on the other side. When several deputies were injured, leftist activists came out and chanted, we hope they die. There are numerous stories that I've been reading. I don't want to pull them up. Where B- Black Lives Matter blocked emergency service vehicles on the highway. How do you contend with a massive tribalist cult-like mentality that doesn't actually seek to get to the truth, but seeks to inflame and enrage and make everything worse? I don't know. They'd say the same thing about me. They'd claim I'm the one lying. They do. They say it all the time. No, I think I have objective truth on my side. The problem is they say they do too. Well, they don't read conservative outlets. They don't talk to conservatives. I do. I also read left-wing outlets. As I noted, I read the nib. I see what their comments are talking about. It's frustrating going on Reddit and seeing these nonsensical, garbled, propagandistic statements for the establishment that make no sense. The support for, for, for Joe Biden as if he was going to be some great you know, president for the left, and now he's abandoned the left on most of their causes. Solon writes, the president wants you dead. And so do his friends and advisors. It's that simple. These people live in a paranoid, psychotic, delusional state. Sorry. Maybe it's biased. You know, I I think about this from time to time. Am I contributing to the the hyperpolarization? Probably. What do I do about it? What am I supposed to do when anti-fund Black Lives Matter go around burning down buildings? Honestly, I have no idea. I can report on it. I can say they're doing it, and then that makes people on the right say, we've got to do something about this. Think about it policy-wise. Finally, now you end up with Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, Matt Gates, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, a small handful of Republicans who have finally started pushing back and saying, we want things. The Republicans, for the longest time, just opposed things. And for the most part, that's still all they do. When the left is unwilling to compromise, what happens? The left says, we want a complete overhaul of health care. Republicans, for the most part, say no. The left says, then you're fascists. Donald Trump comes out and says, we want restrictions on immigration. We want this and we will demand it. And the left says, you're fascists. They won't compromise. They scream. They oppose it. The Republican establishment, for the most part, just gives the Democrats what they want when they make demands. And the Republicans don't demand anything. Of course, as I stated, if you listen to nothing but leftist media, they'll tell you the opposite. But I'm sorry, it's just not true. Over the past hundred years, we have gotten more and more gun control and gun restriction. There is no pro-gun right. There is only a slow the Democrats down and uh, gun movement. Uh, don't get me wrong. There certainly are organizations that are advocating for the repeal of certain gun laws and you know, abolishing the ATF. But think about this. The left says abolish police and the DHS. Republicans just say slow down. Where are the Republicans coming out and saying abolish the ATF and abolish the NFA, the National Firearms Act? They don't do it. It is disproportionate. It is the left making demands and continually pushing this extremism. Courier Journal says Trump's no angel. But liberals with their ugly threats have become what they claim to hate. This is from two years ago. The original header says Democrats wish death and destruction personal ruin on Republicans. Yeah. In the Pacific Northwest, Jason Rant says, Washington Democrats force critical race theory training Highline uh, Highline Schools leans in. What happens when the youth of our country are indoctrinated by the 1619 Project and hardcore racist ideology. The left is pushing anti-American rhetoric. Now, look, I get it. This country changes. There was a period where the U.S. was very identitarian. I mean, if you look at the statements from the Civil War and what a lot of people were saying about white racial identity, yeah, this country was one way and the Democrats are reactionary. What does that mean? They want to revert the U.S. back to the way it used to be. Segregation, racial identitarianism. So maybe then it's true when they say it's the Republicans that don't actually like America. Yeah, I guess they're the ones who want to go back to segregation. So sure. No, they they say the Republicans are the ones who it's it's the strangest thing. It's the darndest thing. But things are starting to get bad. Again, all of this segment stemming from just this one MSNBC article, but there's a lot more to it. Seth Dillon, you may know him. He's with the uh, CEO of Babylon Bee. Tweeted this video, tell Nickelodeon what you think about this, tag them, DM them, shame them, bring back shame. In the video, it is a drag performance talking about pride. But the the thing that's most alarming to me is the red salute, the red salute, the, the image being held up. It's the fist used by Black Lives Matter, an overtly Marxist symbol. It is used by the Chinese Communist Party. They raise their fist in the red salute when they're being appointed to a position. It is a symbol of communism. It is now being displayed on Nickelodeon for children. When our kids grow up, and this is the ideology that they have, you understand the point I'm getting to. But talking about the American flag, I think we can, we can break it down rather simply. From the Epic Times, video shows Marine veteran rescuing fallen American flag on the highway on Memorial Day. These are the two distinct worldviews that are becoming extremely polarized. A man willing to jump out on a highway, maybe not the most dangerous thing in the world because not every highway is rushing traffic, but still rather dangerous. And some people will probably say, hey, that's a really dumb thing to do. Why are you jumping out on a highway? For the American flag, man, because he is willing to risk his safety for the American flag. Meanwhile, on mainstream television in this country, to one of the largest left-wing audiences, MSNBC says the flag is disturbing. It's disturbing to see that flag. This man does the opposite. In Arizona, veterans' American flag set on fire outside his home before Memorial Day weekend. You see? While one man is willing to jump out into the street in a highway to rescue the flag, others are willing to destroy the flag on someone's house. Someone minding their own business. You're going to burn it down? I wonder where this leads us to. If the next 10 or 20 years these ideologies embolden, <clears throat> it's been only a few years, and I warned in 2017 and 18, when this cult-like ideology of the culture war, reaches the highest levels of, of, of culture, of TV, of media, of government, what happens?
2: a free quote by visiting carshield online at carshield.com slash carlson don't wait for the next surprise choose peace of mind with carshield go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20% today
0: what happens when you have people the people tell me they say tim you're you're wrong look i know tons of people in the army they are all maga it's like 95% maga bro and then i hear from other people who quit because they were like everyone i knew was woke and the messaging coming out was woke. That's not indicative of one side winning. When, when people tell me the military is MAGA, I don't believe the military top down. Everybody is pro-Trump or right wing. It means that these people know there are pockets of pro-Trump, of, of pro-Trump, you know, platoons or battalions or whatever. And then when I hear from the from the other people who quit saying everybody was woke, that means there are pockets of wokeness in the military. Both ideologies bubbling up and gaining ground. Who's winning? Well, I think when you look culturally, the woke absolutely are winning because the Republicans aren't willing to do anything about it. But it doesn't matter. What happens when it comes to a head? When you have two generals, one who's woke and one who's anti woke, do you think they're going to trust each other? No. I think about this in terms of religion. I think back to these old stories where I'm like, not even old stories, even now in the Middle East, a Christian will be brought to their knees by by a Muslim. And the Muslim will say, renounce your religion or else. And the Christian will say, I refuse. I would rather die. Why? Because they want to go to heaven because they truly, truly believe in their convictions. And what happens? Religious war. People get killed for this stuff because they say your God is a heathen God. My God is the right God. Do it or else. What do you think happens when our country gets to that point? What do you think happens when you have people at the highest levels of the military or the State Department saying, fly the flag that half the country opposes? That should be the biggest warning sign to all of you. When the American flag is is disrespected by one side and they are putting their flag up to compete with the flag of this country, they hate the American flag and they want the Black Lives Matter flag up at these embassies. So now we have two flags. What does that mean? I think it means things are getting alarming. Trump says he wants to punish flag burning with a year in prison. The exact opposite of the left. It's one thing for someone to save the flag from a street. It's in the middle of the highway. It's another thing for the left to burn it. And it's another thing for, for the president to say you should go to prison for burning it. Now, I'll tell you what, I believe in free speech. But if I was forced at gunpoint to choose a side, well, as much as I don't like it, I choose the side that says, don't burn the flag. Why? Well, I don't like flag burning. I like free speech. But the other side opposes all of our norms. It's tough. There's no easy solution. I don't like either of it. Given the reality of the, of the world, the real world, I can say outright, no, you shouldn't go to prison for burning a flag. Trump was wrong. And I, I reject this. But what? We have one side saying, OK, then burn the flag. I say no to that. So what do I have to choose? I guess protecting the flag even though I don't want to. I don't want people going to prison for burning the flag, but I certainly won't support the people who advocate for burning everyone's flags or flying the flag of occult ideology at our embassies. The stuff goes into our schools. They teach our kids about critical race theory in 1619, and then at the NFL, they sing the black national anthem, lift every voice and sing before the Star Spangled Banner. There are two national anthems being sung at our sporting events. Maybe there shouldn't be any. There are two flags flying at our embassies. The people who support the American flag typically do not like the Black Lives Matter flag and the Black Lives Matter people don't like the American flag. Why are there competing anthems and competing flags flying in this country? You think I'm wrong? Fine, whatever. Maybe nothing will happen. But I said this a few years ago. The conflict will escalate. It will go from stupid video games and movies into our government, into our presidency, into our contracts. And now it's at our embassies. OK, fine. Maybe the sporting events are meaningless. Two different national anthems being sung and half oppose one and half oppose the other. Where do you think that leads to? We do not have a cohesive society or culture. I don't know. Texas wants to yank funds from sporting teams that don't play the national anthem. This is just I'm not I'm not saying I'm in favor of one or the other for the most part. I'm just saying there are two very distinct ideologies. It's almost like Thucydides trap, which I've talked about in the past. When one economic power is rising and about to displace the dominant economic power, war breaks out. What about an ideology or a moral framework? What happens when the moral framework that makes up this country, the classical liberalism and the Judeo-Christian values are being supplanted and displaced by woke fascistic ideology? There is no truth but power. What happens when they say we won't fly your flag or sing your anthem? When they say it's yours and not ours? When you have 81 million people in this country who despise its symbols? I'm not saying they all do necessarily, but there are millions upon millions who would support those who oppose it. And then we get these 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 stories where they say it's the Republicans who oppose this. Okay, there's a continuity of government in this country, the American flag. That's why I support this country. I've long believed in America and its values because we can see all of the great things it's gotten us. But the paradox of intolerance seems to be true. Yeah, the left likes to put this comic saying we cannot tolerate intolerance. It must be rejected. They're right. The right has allowed and tolerated the leftists to keep spreading their dogma and their cult, And now it's on MSNBC and in the New York Times. And now their flag is literally flying beneath ours at the embassy. And they're displaying on children's programming the symbol of communism, the red salute. Whatever. Even people on the right are like, Tim's just fear mongering. Perhaps. Perhaps I shouldn't shouldn't say anything. But when I said it was going to escalate, was I wrong? Mm, No, apparently I wasn't. That's too bad. I had Ryan Long on. Ryan Long's a great comedian. Love the guy. He's fantastic. Had him on the TimCast IRL podcast, and uh, he kind of ambushed me. It was, it was funny. I thought it was, I was, I, 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 it, was, it was enjoyable. Before the show, before every IRL show, we're sitting up in the studio. We're setting cameras. We're setting lighting. And we're, uh, you know, we're talking. We're, we're warming up. Nothing came up pertaining to conflict, crisis, or civil war. And then as soon as the show starts, Ryan Long says immediately to me, hey, what happened to that civil war you were talking about, Tim? You got me all worked up. I leave here. I was freaking out. And I, I thought it was funny because it felt like an ambush. I'm not saying he was intending to do it. I think Ryan Long's fantastic. But we, it didn't, we, didn't, we never talked about it. He never asked me about it. He saved that line of questioning immediately for the start of the show. And I, my immediate response was, didn't a bunch of Trump supporters and, and right-wingers storm into the Capitol during the counting of the Electoral College vote, believing that the election was stolen? Oh, Yeah. So when I told people a few years ago that it will escalate to the point of of civil war, I said, I don't know what form it will take. It could be propagandistic warfare. It could be fourth and fifth generational warfare. It may not ever get hot conflict. People still said I was crazy, that there was some kind of civil conflict, even when you have a Princeton professor saying it. Then a bunch of people on the right stormed into the Capitol building, shutting down the electoral college vote for some time. Again, we're desensitized. Could you imagine if Without any of this Trump stuff, a group of people stormed in during like Obama's second inauguration. People would be shocked by it, but we're desensitized. People can't see it. It has been one grain of sand after another to the point where Republicans aren't even shocked or bringing up the sheer insanity that it is that the State Department is telling embassies to fly a non-American flag. I mean, this is insurrection. No joke. Burning the American flag rioting and burning down buildings is insurrection. They say January 6 is insurrection. I say it's all civil war. Civil war in this country that as we know it from in the 1860s was very unique. It was a union of states fighting. It was not typical civil war we see in other countries. Take a look at the Spanish Civil War and get back to me. We are absolutely on track for whatever that was. I'm not kidding, man. Watch the history, history lessons from the Spanish Civil War. Certain regions started becoming more nationalistic. So certain others started becoming more communistic. We're seeing it. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe after everything I've predicted, many of which I got wrong, of course, and many of which I got right, the things I have predicted that have been correct, the escalation, of course, and the expansion of the ideology now putting their flags in our embassies. Maybe it stops here. Maybe all of a sudden these people say, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't fly this flag. Maybe the American flag is the flag for me. Do you really believe that's what's going to happen? Or is what really going to happen is that they're like, mm, let's take the American flag down. Think about Brett Weinstein. For the longest time at Evergreen College, they said they were going to have a day of absence where students of color would not show up to show white people what they were missing. One day they said, now it's time for the same protest where the white people have to leave, an inversion. Right now, they're saying, we just want to fly our flag at the embassy. How long until they say, look, we're just taking down the flag for the day? How long until they say, we shouldn't have the flag up all the time. It should be our flag. How long until it's not just kids programming where they're they're showing communist symbolism? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just decide now's the time to stop. Do you really think that's what's going to happen? I certainly don't. So maybe it's just some stupid woman on TV saying she's disturbed by the American flag. Or maybe it's getting worse. Until what happens? I don't know. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast We'll discuss these ideas live. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. There's been a lot of talk of civil war peaceful divorce or just some kind of general breaking up of the United States. And there are a lot of reasons to discuss this. I mean, you've got the Democrats just steamrolling through crazy policies. The Republicans, they've got their priorities, though they're pretty weak compared to the Democrats. And meanwhile, both sides accuse the other side of being the true evil. I was reading a comic from The Nib. You may have heard of them. And because uh, I read, you know, left and right stuff and the left, is ten- they, t- they, ten- they-, they tend to be wrong because they don't actually read the news. And in one of their posts, the top comment was, let you know, let's, let this be a reminder, the Republicans want you dead. And I'm like, they literally don't. There are certainly some elements of the right who do want a lot of people dead, and there are elements of the left who want people on the right dead. But this is an escalation of the rhetoric. Now, you may be saying, Tim, I didn't click on a video about civil war. What are you talking about? Well, look, if you're looking for an example of the extreme fracturing in this country, look no further than... Well, you know, the title of this video, Biden is now referring to birthing people instead of women in his budget proposal. That's right. In the budget proposal, it says reduces maternity mortality rate and ends race based disparities in maternal mortality. The U.S. has the highest maternal mortality rate among developed nations. Okay, that's bad for sure. With an unacceptably high mortality rate for black, American Indian, Alaskan native and other women of color to help end this high rate of maternal mortality and race-based disparities and outcomes among birthing people. And in addition to the investment in maternal health, including the American Families Plan, blah, blah, you get the point. Joe Biden, the executive branch. Okay. They are are referring to human females who, uh, you know, birth people as birthing people. This is far left critical gender theory ideology manifest in the federal government. But we're talking about a fracturing. We're talking about a broken divide. Take a look at this story. Supreme Court rejects case challenging male only draft registration. Oh, boy, do I have questions. Now, the Supreme Court, obviously, is conservative. And there were, I think, you know, Brett Kavanaugh wanted to challenge this. But it's 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 interesting. The Supreme Court, part of the federal government, says they're not going to hear this case. And this, is my understanding, will uphold a mail-only draft, the Selective Service in the United States, which goes totally in the other direction. I mean, you've got right now Joe Biden at the federal level saying birthing people, they are they're out there. The ACLU agreeing that we should have a gender-neutral draft policy or plan for this country, but the Supreme Court saying no. Perhaps it's a vestige of a conservative court saying we're not going to have women in combat roles, but women are already in combat roles. I'll tell you what I think this means. We'll we'll, we'll get into the story. We'll talk about uh, the ACLU and what the Supreme Court is saying for sure. But I think this is just the Republicans and the conservatives in this country hold on so desperately, but are being dragged by the left and eventually cave to them. What we're seeing is not, in my opinion, It is contradictory. It is evidence of a harsh divide. But should Republicans go the traditional Republican route in five years? This won't be an issue. And Republicans will probably be socialist or fully on board with, you know, saying birthing people and all that stuff because they don't fight for anything. They fight against things. And that's for the most part true. The Democrats want things. The Democrats want to ban guns. Republicans say don't. So what happens? And over the past hundred years, they've certainly banned a ton of guns. The Democrats say we want universal health care. Republicans say don't. So what happens? Well, we get Obamacare and we move further and further towards the left. The left then keeps screaming about how Republicans are the evil ones when the Republicans do nothing. So what's going to happen? Well, the Republicans got some judges in. Those judges are saying, I mean, it was a federal judge who said the male only draft is unconstitutional. And I think a lot of people are probably on board with the idea that women should be drafted too. And I'm going to say this. Uh, I support some form of the draft, and it's only because I read this quote from John Stewart, the famous liberal. I, I shouldn't say this. No, no, no. I, I, for a long time, I opposed the draft until good old liberal John Stewart came out and said he supported it, and I didn't, I didn't know he did until recently. Yeah, John Stewart. Yeah, from The Daily Show. Liberal guy. Supports draft. I think there's something to it. Um, I think there's, it, it could be good for us, but we'll, we'll break down what that means. Basically, what John Stewart said was service guarantees citizenship, or something to that effect. Now, more to my point, there's a lot of people who are probably arguing that the draft should open up to women. A lot of conservatives have probably argued that. I'm pretty sure they did. That, hey, look, if we're going to have gender equality, then women should get drafted as well. Understand that that is a pull towards the left. C- you, you, could you imagine going back 80 years or, you know, 85 years and being like, we think women should be frontline infantry and, and be drafted. The, the men back then would be like, are you insane? And the women would be too. Today men and women, conservative or otherwise, are saying, hey, if men get drafted, women get drafted too. The funny thing about this is whenever the story pops up, you get a bunch of feminists being like, no, no, we didn't mean that kind of equality. Uh, Yeah, they didn't. You don't see feminists demanding the right to wade through sewers or go get shot in the face in combat. Well, here's a story from military.com. They say, The U.S. Supreme Court has decided against hearing a case challenging the constitutionality of the men-only registration requirement for the Selective Service System. The court announced Monday that it denied a petition in the case, National Coalition for Men v. Selective Service System, with the justices agreeing with an argument by the federal government that Congress, not the courts, should decide the matter. Justice Sonia Sotomayor, joined by Stephen Breyer and Brett Kavanaugh, wrote in a statement, that the court should not interfere since Congress is deliberating the recommendations of a commission created to study the issue. Quote, it remains to be seen, of course, whether Congress will end gender based registration. But at least for now, the court's long-standing de- deference to Congress on matters of national defense and military uh, defense and military affairs cautions against granting review while Congress actively weighs the issue. So it's not uh, a woke argument. The National Commission on Military, National and Public Service produced a report last March recommending that selective service registration be extended to women. The 246 page report also included more than 160 other recommendations of non-military national and public service opportunities and civic education. I'm going to stop right there and say, yes, I believe women should be drafted. I believe that men and women should both sign up for selective service. I believe there's probably a lot of good to be said for that system. And we desperately need social cohesion as people talk more and more about this country falling apart. Maybe this is a solution. Some kind of unifying social cause, they go on to say. Included in the draft legislation that would require all Americans to register for for the selective service, the proposal would introduce in the House in March 2020, but never made it past committee, overshadowed by the pandemic. Sotomayor cited the report and a March 2020 Senate Armed Service Committee hearing during which Chairman Senator Jack Reed expressed hope that the requirement would be included in the fiscal 2022 defense policy bill. In 1981, the Supreme Court voted six to three to uphold the men-only registration requirement at the time. Justice William Rehnquist said the purpose of the registration was to ensure the Pentagon could raise military forces for combat. Since women could not serve in combat, the gender-based requirement was not unconstitutional, he explained. But in 2013, the Defense Department lifted its ban on women serving in combat, a move that prompted a lawsuit from two plaintiffs, James Lesmeister and Anthony Davis, who asserted that the system was discriminatory since it required only men to register for the draft. In 2015, the Pentagon opened all military specialties to women. Quote, women have passed the military's demanding test to become Army Rangers, Navy SEALs, and Green Berets. Mayor wrote, as of 2015, are, there are no longer any positions in the U.S. Armed Forces closed to women. Quote, or, and then they're going to add, a woman has made it through Navy SEAL officer assessment and selection. But no women have graduated from basic underwater demolition SEAL training to date. And that's a good thing. I'll tell you why. We don't want them lowering the standard to accommodate gender or race or whatever. If a woman can do it, a woman should be allowed to do it. If a man can do it, they should be allowed to do it. Now, there are uh, there are complaints from feminist groups saying the standard is set for average male competence or ability, and that keeps women out. They should average it down between men and women. That would make more sense. I don't agree. I think it's going to be the best of the best of the best, period. You, th- you see how this plays out? They talk about, you know, isn't this funny? No woman has passed the the basic underwater demolition seal training to date. OK, uh, let's think about that for a second. Why? Why haven't they? Why aren't we hearing so much in the news about people born female competing against men and winning? I wonder. Let's read. In April, lawmakers introduced legislation to abolish the selective service system entirely, calling the $25 million annual cost a waste of taxpayer dollars. Senators uh, Ron Wyden and Rand Paul noted that the draft was abolished in 1973 with the advent of the all-volunteer force. Congress hasn't come close to reinstating a military draft in 50 years, and I can't imagine a scenario where it would, Wyden said. I I can. Quote, it has been nearly 50 years since the draft was last uh, used. I've long stated that if a war was worth fighting for, Congress will vote to declare it and people will volunteer. The outdated government program no longer serves a purpose and should be eliminated permanently, Paul said. There's many reasons where a draft would, would happen. Serious world war an invasion of American land. Now, I don't really see those as being likely, but they're possible. Now, I'll tell you, we probably don't need the draft anymore. That's the thing. We probably could just get rid of it. And I'll tell you why. You know, I was having a conversation. We mentioned this in the IRL podcast the other day. You know what's going to happen if war breaks out, say, between like the U.S. and China? There's not going to be a draft. The U.S. will announce they will forgive all student loan debt. They'll say, if you enlist for two years, yep, just two years because it'll be like a very serious, you know, well, let me just let's put it this way. They'll say two years and we will forgive all of your student loan debt up to a certain amount, or maybe just all of it. Plus we'll pay you $20,000 a year or whatever. They'll tell these young people, you know, people who are like in their late, late teens or early twenties, you will have no debt. By the time you leave, you'll have 20, 30 grand in the bank account because you're not going to be spending it, right? Yeah. All that money will pile up, baby. They're like it's totally worth it. You'll be serving your country and doing the right thing, and what these people don't realize is they'll be signing up for like combat infantry or something. They'll get told all of the get, all all of the sweet nothings will be whispered whispered into their ears, and they will accept it. This is why you're never going to get a bill to abolish student loan debt. It's perfect. These people have become indentured servants, desperately begging the government to do something about it. Why would they give it away for free? I mean, think about it. You think even Bernie Sanders, anybody in the government is going to be like, we got you by the balls with those student loans and we're going to let you walk away for free. Nah, that's not how it works. The government's never done that. Just give up. Nah, they got you, baby. You sign those papers. You owe that money. And now there's an opportunity for the government after they already said you can't declare bankruptcy on that debt, can you? Yeah. Then war breaks out. They don't need the draft. They simply say, who wants their student loans forgiven? People will line up in the tens of thousands by the droves saying desperate, desperately, please, I'll do anything to make it go away because I can't pay these off. There it is. Well, the ACLU is is outraged. They've issued a comment on the refusal of the Supreme Court to, to uh, hear the case. They say, the U.S. Supreme Court announced today it would not hear arguments in a case that could have ended the discriminatory sex-based registration for the draft. The petition was not asking the Supreme Court to require women to register for the selective service. It only asked the court to declare that the men-only draft registration system unlawfully discriminates on the basis of sex. Then they go on to issue a bunch of comments from people at the ACLU, but they all basically say the same thing. One that I think many conservatives even agree with. If you're going to have gender equality, women get drafted too. Right now, all these women are, are saying they want to be CEOs. Where are the women saying they want to be sewage treatment plant workers or you know petroleum engineers? Oh, there, there are many women who do. I'm not saying they don't. I'm saying the, the, the conversation is always like feminism. We should be wealthy CEOs. And it's like, OK, yeah, I'm down with that. You should be. You should also be petroleum engineers and sulfur miners and garbage persons and fire persons if you can do the job. The only problem, I guess, is then with, I'll, t- I'll tell you one of the biggest challenges that we're going to face as a society with gender, gender equality. If we say to, uh, you know, based on merit, we are going to hire for certain jobs, you will overwhelmingly have men being combat role, being in, co- in combat and being firefighters, being in very d- dangerous situations where they risk their lives and women won't be. But women will still absolutely reap the benefits of those who will be doing all of that work to prop them up. I don't think that's a healthy system, and I don't know how you solve for it. There's supposed to be reciprocity. But my point is, a system will not function if women don't have to risk their lives, and men do, but women are CEOs and ultra-wealthy, you eventually then just have an an inequality and inequity. Now, about the draft, though. About the draft, let's go back in time. I take you to my time machine, to November 4th, 2014. Jon Stewart thinks we should bring back the draft. Wow, 2014, John Stewart was still on The Daily Show back then, wasn't he? They say this may come as a surprise to many. John Stewart would like to bring back some sort of draft. During a discussion with New York Magazine about his directorial debut, Rosewater, Stewart indicated that one of the biggest disappointments of the Obama era has been watching the Democratic Party blow its opportunity to be more effective. The Daily Show host said, the VA treatment backlog, the bureaucratic nightmare we put our veterans through, has been devastating to me. In in response, interviewer Chris Smith asked, do you think there should be a draft? And John Stewart said, I do. I absolutely do. I've watched military families suffer in a way that is unconscionable, considering the demands that we have placed on them over this 10-year period. When I say there should be a draft, I also think it should be non-compulsory military. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the Launch
2: Your Online Shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage.
0: No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. There should be a draft where every young person has to do one year of something, military, public works, something, so that we all feel invested in the same game, because that's the part that we've lost. John Stewart endorsing service, guaranteeing citizenship. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. Now, I remember, I think it was Rahm Emanuel. Was, this was back in Chicago when I was living there. He, he was, uh, you, you know, he was mayor. And uh, he talked about, think, he said something that all young people should go through basic training. And I was like, try it. You know what I mean? But now I think about it and I'm like, that ain't so bad. I really think that ain't so bad. And I think most people would absolutely love, love it. It would cure people of so many things. It would strengthen people in many ways. And it's not like basic training. It's for military basic training. It's like they call it, you know, it's, it's not, what is that, boot camp, they call it, I guess. Basic training It's three months. You go there. Uh, I've not gone through it. I've known people who have. Maybe it's easy for me to say it would be great if everyone did something like that. Maybe that's probably a bad idea. The, the, the ultimate problem that, come, that comes down to me is, is um, the libertarian ideals, right? You know, freedom. The government can't force people to do things. And there's a real conundrum there because you end up, this is why I'm not a hardcore like right wing libertarian or whatever, because I don't think a country functions cohesively if people don't share values. And what what John Stewart was saying back then is that, this is seven years ago, or six and a half, that we'll share more of our values if we work together towards certain goals. The ultimate problem I have with all of this, be it basic training, or otherwise, is that the government is corrupt and it's very corrupt. And as if I want to align with the values of a corrupt government, therein lies the big problem. I think basic training would be great for everybody. I mean, think about it. You got a bunch of these soft doughboys and, you know, dough girls, soy boys. Imagine making them crawl through the mud and, and understand what the real world is like. It would it would make them stronger. It would probably help a lot of people get through a lot of trauma but we, 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 we've become soft. The left is is, is is continually pushed for softness. And because Republicans aren't for things, or I should say, because there is a tendency to move away from difficulty, we're always trying to make things easier. This is a downward death spiral. You know what we need to accept? We need to accept hardship. We need to actually encourage life to get worse. Yep. I remember it like it was yesterday down at Occupy Wall Street when the activists said, this is the first generation in 100 years where our lives will be worse than our parents. And I'm like, so what? Go cry about it. You know, it's not true. They say that it's not true. It is not true. My parents didn't have access to the summation of human knowledge. They didn't have glorious and wonderful technology and drones and electric cars. They had empty apartments with like a radio they had a TV maybe with only a few channels we have at our fingertips virtual worlds and virtual reality and entertainments just every channel for every possible thing you could you could imagine there's literally the simpsons channel As you just click you go on Hulu and you click the simpsons and you just binge nothing but the simpsons it has been it, it is better than it's ever been you know, it's bad for us see the problem is if republicans come out and say We want more hardship. It will be good for you. Trust me. It'll make you stronger and more resilient. People will scream, you want my life to be harder? So the Republicans say, I want your life to be easy. And that's what people drift towards. We don't want hardship. It's interesting. I was watching a video of uh, this dude I know. He does like fitness Instagram stuff. And dude's ripped. And I'm like, wow. You know, this guy wakes up every day and he he puts himself through this hardship. But you know what? That dude is high as a kite. I'm not even kidding. He's not doing drugs. He's literally getting endorphins and, and you know, dopamine from, accompli- from, from working out and from accomplishing these goals. The dude probably wakes up feeling like a million bucks, like lightning is charging through his body. That's, what, that, that's how it feels to, to exercise and, and, to, and to, to be physically active. So, you know, you guys know that I skate. Now I'm doing a variety of things. We got a BMX stuff. We got rollerblades. I'm trying to get some scooters because I just have fun riding around and doing new things and accomplishing goals. You feel fantastic. There's also the runner's high. How many people are sedentary, becoming overweight, are out of shape, have no purpose, and can't get that release? So what do they do? They go to the doctor and the doctor gives them pills. Nah, no, they ain't okay in my opinion. I I, I think... You know, I think this is true that one of the cures for depression is running. It's not for everybody. Some people have serious you know, chemical imbalances. And it's not working and they need medication. But for a lot of people, they start going for a run and they start exercising and they start getting that reward in their brain. I tell you this, man, you go to a gym, you go to a skate park, you've never skated or done anything before and you ask someone to help you and they will help you and you will have fun and you will make friends. It'll be great. And that's what we need. We're missing that community. So I don't know about a draft necessarily, but I've been getting to think that service guarantee citizenship is uh, it's actually a good idea. Now, we've been raised to believe uh, those of us who are uh, a lefty or a former Democrat or, you know, still vote a Democrat, that we're a democracy, and that everyone should vote. And that's just not true. It's not. I actually think service guaranteeing citizenship probably makes the most sense at this point. If you want to reap the benefits of a system, that's wonderful. We all should. If you want to speak your mind, you should be able to. But if you want to actually tip the scales in your favor by, by you know, advocating for certain policies, you have to have a risk. Imagine if you could walk into a casino and say, give me money, and they just did. That's not how it works. If you want an opportunity to reap benefits of that casino, you have to, you have to put up something, you have to take a risk. Um, and, and, and if you look at how the, what the left believes today, It's exactly the problem. They say that workers should control the means of production. The stock and the benefits should go to the workers who don't put any risk involved. Now, there's some. They dedicate their time and energy to this company and help produce things. But there's actually, it's it's fascinating. They always can just walk away from everything. And people don't seem to realize this. I run a company. I can't leave. I can't quit. It's not a lab. I mean, I, I literally could, and then everybody would lose their jobs. It doesn't work that way. For the lowest level employee, they can just up and leave without destroying a system and taking other people with them. So when you run a business, you have to recognize that there are people who, who depend on you. Now, all of a sudden, I got to think about, okay, if, if, what, if, what if I didn't want to do this anymore? What if I quit? All of those people are out of jobs, so I can't. I don't have the same luxury. And so that's, that, that's the issue I see with, with, with most people on the left. They don't want to risk anything but they want the rewards for everything. I'll tell you this. I risked so much, sacrificed so much to be able to do this. And with it comes rewards, but with great power comes great responsibility. And now I have a successful company. And I actually did try quitting, I think, two years ago, and everybody yelled at me. Or was this? Yeah, this was two years ago. Everybody was, I was getting in it with emails. and They were like, no, you can't stop. You have to keep going. And I'm like, I can't. Too many people rely on, on the work that I do because the truth is I don't just pander to the right or the left as much as the left or the right might accuse me of doing one or the other. I love it. I criticize one guy and now all, all of a sudden I have a bunch of MAGA people screaming I'm a grifter. I'm not going to play that game. If you want to go watch a video from someone who's scared to express their opinion out of fear of being canceled by the left or the right, then go do it. I'm not going to play that game. I'm going to say it like I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call it like I see it. And I, that means I'm going to say things you don't like. And if you don't want to watch it, there's nothing I can do to stop you. I appreciate the time you spent here and your support, but you're free to go. If you want to watch someone and you know that I'll express my opinion, regardless of whether it's good or bad, I'll do it. If you've got a problem with my opinion, maybe you just shouldn't watch. That's it. Makes it hard to grow a business for sure. But anyway, I digress. I'll leave it there. Supreme Court draft, whatever. Heck of a conversation. Next segment's coming up at 4pm at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then.